Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about extremely doomed engagements. Last week, Netflix dropped the finale and reunion of The Ultimatum Queer Love, and ever since, we have just been processing? Is that the word? There was. Processing. There was a lot to digest, right down to the final breakup reveal and a post-reunion epilogue card, which was one of the least shocking things, honestly, that happened in that reunion. And then a whole bunch of post-reunion content from the cast. We will get into all of it. But before we do, just a reminder that we are doing a little mini tour this month. It is underway and we're having a total blast. We just went to Philly. And we have to say, Philly really showed up. We had the best time. Coming up this Friday, June 16th, we will be at City Winery in Boston. And then we're finishing out June 22nd at City Winery in New York City. And it's not too late to get tickets. So come hang with us. We're really excited. And we don't know when we'll be able to do this again. So (laughs) Because Claire is extremely pregnant. (laughs) But during this tour, we will be recapping an iconic vintage episode of The Bachelorette, Season 8, Episode 5. You can find it on Hulu if you want to watch it before you come to the show. And we're going to be doing this with some very special guests. Bachelor in Paradise star Jill Chin in Boston and comedian Arden Marine in New York City. You can get tickets and find more information at lovetoseeitpod.com. Just click the LTSI Live tab on our website. But to the topic at hand today, we have here to discuss with us the shocking conclusion to the ultimatum queer love. Ariel Duhame Ross, host of the new Vice TV show Queer Sports, as well as the podcast a show about animals. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. How are you guys? It's good to see you. 
It's so yeah. good to see you. Yeah. We have missed you. We did <laughs> think that we were inviting you on to have like a fun, yeah. snappy <laughs> conversation about the conclusion <laughs> of this show. Uh, we probably, given the way that the straight ultimatum wrapped up, we probably should have known better. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really on us. I'm sorry, but I'm so glad that you're here. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, I'm really happy that I'm here because at least I will get to like get some of my feelings out. Like I I am kind of this is group therapy, actually. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I normally when I come on this show, it's to like, you know, kind of gossip and dish about the show and like be exasperated, but in a funny way. And this time it just feels kind of somber and uh less less definitely less happy so you know we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about it we're gonna get through it um yeah but yeah it's definitely a different vibe we're gonna take the good that we can take from from this conversation and again thank you so much for showing up and not canceling on us after you saw that (laughs) (laughs) no because this show i still like it's the ultimatum i don't anymore Well, let's see how you feel by the end of this taping. Uh, no, we're we're going to get through this together. We're going to start by talking through the finale, the proposal episode, get everyone's decision. So let's just dive in and get through this because there's going to be a lot to discuss later. We start with Mal's proposal to Yoli, which happened at the end of episode eight. And we dive right back in as we wait for Yoli's answer. Malik whips out the ring. She's like, do life with me. And Yoli nods. And then is like, what took you so long? (laughs) So good vibes in this proposal acceptance. This is like the bleakest happy proposal I've ever seen. Well, one of the bleakest there. It's then followed by several other bleak proposals. I mean, is it a happy proposal? I guess it's one that was accepted, but in no other sense does it seem happy. I guess that's what I mean. Like, (laughs) We're watching this and I'm like, Yoli said yes. And then everyone just seems very depressed and concerned. Sad. Yoli doesn't (laughs) smile once. There is no happiness there. And Mal, they're clearly like, (laughs) it just, yeah, there's, there's, it's nothing like a proposal should be. And it's just (laughs) downhill from there after that. It's, it's wild. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where you feel like maybe Yoli should have considered beforehand whether she would be happy to get a proposal after having to give an ultimatum. And if the answer was no, maybe she, <laughs> they just should have skipped this whole part. Yeah. Because she mostly seems preoccupied with the fact that it took an ultimatum to get yeah. here. And also that she's in love with And Xander. also that she's in love with Xander. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Yoli says at some point, like, why why did it take you having your back up against the wall for this to happen? And it's like, well, (laughs) like you took Mal to this thing, hoping a change would happen and then changed happened and you're mad about it, which frankly should be a lesson to anybody who goes on this show ever. Because (laughs) this is one part where I actually found Yoli quite relatable in the sense that like, I'm pretty sure that anybody who has then a proposal based off of this show will then have to spend years processing The fact that it took an ultimatum to then get to that proposal. Like, I just... Yeah. The entire premise of this show seems off. And, like... (laughs) Ultimatums are good, actually, is the premise of the show. (laughs) Wow. Counter Um, to everything your therapist has ever told you. 
you know, Yoli got exactly what she wanted and she's upset about it, which I understand. But also, what were you expecting? Yeah, it seems like a situation where, you know, if she had approached it maybe from an angle of, well, I've also grown through this experience. And what I've realized is that I'm never really going to be happy with a relationship where I have to issue an ultimatum to get commitment. So I can't accept your proposal. I think we have to go on our separate journeys. Sure. But to accept the proposal and then to be like, but I'm not happy with how this happened. And we're going to talk about this later forever is not a good vibe. (laughs) You just don't want a proposal where one of the partners has to be like, I do promise to respect the fact that you're in love with someone else. And I will work through this with you. It's like, you kind of hope the working through things mostly happens before a proposal yeah. is given and accepted. Yeah. Another acceptable response, I think, would have been, I mean, if Xander wasn't in the picture, would have been like, hey, I love that you're proposing to me. It, it's what I've always wanted. I want to say yes. Propose to me again in two months. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. That would have been a really beautiful, like, let's make sure that this is really what you want and this isn't just the show. Like, yeah. I think that would have that been, would like have been a healthy. really awesome way to handle that. Yeah. But of course, like, that's that's not the only thing that's in the back of Yoli's mind. In fact, this might be the smallest thing that's in the back of Yoli's mind at this point. Yeah, Yoli right. is very preoccupied with Xander. And the, the way that this plays out is that Mal spends a lot of time being like, I would never disrespect your love for Xander. I, I know how difficult this is for you. Like, I appreciate how open you've been with me and like, we're going to work. I'm going to support you through this difficult time. And I'm like, who's supporting Mal through this difficult time? Yeah, <laughs> right. There's there's no space for Mal to have feelings that are complicated or to feel hurt by what's happened in the process. Yeah, it's very they one-sided. Have to, yeah, it's very one-sided. And it's just, yeah, more exposure of like how toxic the premise of this show really is. Yeah. So should we move on to Tiff and Mildred's proposal? Another deeply fucking bleak, bleak proposal. This is one that just is pretty bleak to begin with, but then is very much recontextualized by what happens later. Absolutely. Yeah. They meet on a cliff by the water. Apparently this is where Tiff took Mildred when they first met. And they're supposed to be sort of sharing their feelings about their past. Tiff speaks at length and then seems to finish and Mildred just keeps standing there silently and finally Tiff asks what about you and Mildred says were you done talking and then there's silence and then Tiff just talks more and this is when I was like oh vibes are not good here either (laughs) yeah I don't love this weird deeply uncomfortable it seemed like a way of saying like i'm not satisfied with what you said i was expecting yeah, you need more. to keep you need to keep going i will i have be... nothing to offer at this time right. i would like more from you like this is not my responsibility this is all on you and that like was really reinforced obviously by what we learn later that's funny that that's what you guys took from that i actually thought it was a reference to the constant to the fight over the interruptions Ooh, that's mm. a good that's a good point. Yeah. I thought it was a like, oh, I'm just letting you say everything you need to. S-. So I thought it was a really hostile jab at a, at the continuation of of this fight that they keep having where where Tiff says, "Hey, you're interrupting me." And Mildred is like, 
I, this is just how I talk culturally. This is this is who I am. And like going like, well, are you are you done talking? Is it actually my turn? That's it was very weird. That's that's what I thought was going on there. And I, I was just probably, like, Ooh, like, yeah, don't, don't right. propose now. Like, don't yeah. do it. No, it's interesting. Well, I definitely was, felt was, that it was hostile, but I think you're definitely on point about where it came from. That it was a specific callback. Yeah, I oh, think that's, that's a, a really good, good call. Point. I think we all three um, were put off by the <laughs> oh, vibes really? of it. Yeah. And it was, it really felt like, okay, this is a warning. Like This is, relationship is not in a good place. And I think the and fact yet, that Mildred didn't start talking and actually seemed to want Tiff to keep talking was what threw me off yeah. that Yeah. Thing. Because yeah. then, Tiff but I'm does also wondering if more. that's like a weird cut. Like yeah, maybe that then there cut. was a, an actual, not the name Tiff, but an actual Tiff between the two of them, and they cut that part out. <laughs> and then Tiff oh, kept talking. Interesting. Like oh, God, it's always so hard to know. Obviously, because we see such truncated versions of yeah. all of these conversations, but we do know that there. It felt like there was this tension and hostility right from the beginning, which again is not really ideally what you want to feel between two people who are blissfully in love and making a commitment yep. to each other. Um, so Tiff does talk more. Tiff says, like, love is a very short okay. word. I'm sorry, it's this was a wild speech. It's easy to spell <laughs> and more difficult to define, but it's impossible to not live a life without craving to breathe its air. What? Like, I love you, Tiff. This is word salad. I don't know what yeah. the hell they're talking about here. I mean, Tiff has a, has a habit of, like, kind of, like... I, I, I was watching this with a friend, and that friend went, like, oh, you, like, Googled different proposals and, like, mishmashed things together. <laughs> there, there was, and was some like, yeah, thesaurus that's searching yeah. happening. Yeah. It's very florid. Like, Tiff definitely yeah. has a, a poetic bent, but, like, yes. not yeah. so much uh, go back and revise and make sure this metaphor hangs together. Yeah, bent. Tiff needs an editor. <laughs> Tiff needs an editor. We volunteer. <laughs> And we will and say like we the all same do. for, yeah, for exactly. we all do. And certainly people who do proposals on reality television. Um, yeah. yeah. Tiff is not alone, I will say. Uh, and then <laughs> Tiff goes on. And that's what I love about you. Your simplicity, your complexity intertwined within the depths of your irresistibility. I, I don't know what's going on here. Um, the simplicity and the complexity are intertwined within the depths of the irresistibility, which is goes all the way down to the Earth's core. And after this, Tiff proposes to Mildred, and Mildred says yes. And everything in me was screaming, no, yep. don't, no. They just keep getting engaged. And I'm like, why are you all getting engaged? Why <laughs> did you learn that? I really, I was like, I think one couple is going to get engaged at the end of this episode. And it, that's not what happened. That's I was happened. completely very, very surprised by this. I did predict last episode that Yoli might say yes to Mal. And I was like, and maybe Lexi and Ray. I did not. I thought everyone else was definitely going to be a no. Oh, that's I funny. I wrong. thought I thought for sure Sam and Aussie. Mm. Lexi and Ray, maybe. That's That's what I thought. That's where I was at before this, but... A lot it's more than that happens. Just, just a yes. sign of how hard it is to tell and how easily we underestimate all these couples' determination to get engaged on Netflix. You mean com commitment to, to delusion. Um, so Ozzy and Sam are up next. And wait, Sam, sorry, there's just one thing oh, that yeah. I wanted to bring oh, up, which please. is... So at some point, 
in this proposal, Mildred ends up saying, I want you to love me unconditionally. Which like, yes, it's (laughs) like all of these, like normally in a proposal, you're like, oh, you make me so much better. You love me unconditionally. Like you're so, and like none of those things are said, right? There is no like, with you, I am a better person. With you, I feel strong. With you, I feel like I can take on anything. None of those things are said. And then you also have this like demand for unconditional love, which by the way, (laughs) maybe some people really think that that is how relationships work, but I very much like my wife and I very much feel strongly that our love is conditional. <laughs> I a hundred percent. My wife is conditional on decency and respect. And like, yes, there are things that can be bent and and but there are things that like if she ever did some of those things, I would walk away. And we know that, right? Like there is you're allowed to have boundaries. Unconditional love means no boundaries at all. I completely agree. And I'm so glad you brought this up. This is something I was actually talking about to a a friend of mine the other day. Like that is kind of the beauty of being in a long-term romantic relationship is that it is conditional. Yeah. You choose it every day. That are mutually agreed upon. Like that is sort of the beautiful thing about, you know, a a marriage contract or a a relationship formal commitment of some kind is that you know, that's the point of vows. Like we are agreeing to show up for each other in the ways that we both need. And also we are not trapped. We are not forced yeah. to be here no matter what. Like yeah. I don't if have our to needs tolerate change. Every, you don't right. have to tolerate everything that I do. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and it, exactly. And it cuts both ways. Like that is what an equal partnership should be, that we are both choosing to be here and we are re-choosing to be here. And also, if our needs are not being met or our promises are being violated, we are both allowed to walk away. Yeah. And that and that is, I think, required for a healthy relationship. And you're right. There was something in this exchange. I also noted that Mildred makes a point to tell Tiff that they aren't perfect. Like yeah. there's there's a yeah, very there are one-sided like, little jabs like, throughout yeah, this yeah, exchange. Definitely a lot of little jabs. Yeah. I that moment from Mildred reminded me so much of this like random tweet I saw once that like really just struck me deeply, which is like expressing that like the only person who's gonna give you unconditional love is a parent in your life. And if you didn't get that from your parents, that is awful. Like that's a huge loss to work through, but it doesn't mean that you can just get it somewhere else. Like, it's kind of like that ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. You you can't get it from a partner. That's not the nature of a partner relationship. And you can really see, I think, Mildred's formative trauma coming out in this yeah. way where yeah. she's like, I get to yeah. demand parental style, like, unconditional love and commitment from a partner because I need that. And, like, she might need it, but that doesn't mean that she can just, like demand it from a romantic partner. That's not how it works, as you guys have been saying so eloquently. And it's just really sad to see the way that she's, yeah, treating this proposal as an Mm -hmm. an opportunity to, like, demand things from Tiff. And for Tiff to be like, I promise going forward to be better, instead of being like, yeah, like, you bring out the best in me. And, like, I feel amazing whenever I'm with you. It's like Tiff making promises to be better and Mildred being like, are you going to be better though? Yeah. (laughs) And on that note, I think we need to take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about Ozzy and Sam. 
Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. 
And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we are back, and it's time to talk about Ozzy and Sam's proposal. Sam arrives at the proposal spot, Still pondering what she's learned about what she deserves in a relationship and whether Ozzy can effectively give that to her. Ozzy, meanwhile, has had Ozzy's own revelation. Maybe I don't have to be perfect to get married. Yeah, which is apparently what Ozzy's problem was the whole time. So they meet under a trellis and they talk about all the butterflies they've seen and those represent their grandmothers to them. And then there's like a lizard, which represents Sam's uncle. That was cute. It was very sweet. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then Ozzy dives in with a story about a species of penguin that looks along the shore for the perfect rock to present to their life mate. And Ozzy is like, I have found the perfect rock for you. And it is a labradorite paperweight or worry stone that is shaped like a heart that Ozzy plops in Sam's hand and they say, I choose you. And was this, this was a a joke, right? Like, yes. I, (laughs) Ozzy clarifies during the reunion that, that Ozzy hoped there would be like a laugh track behind this. Or like crickets or something, which, yeah, it like doesn't work that way in real life. So Sam is just standing there like, what are you doing? Okay. Okay. Well, because it definitely comes across as though, like, you just tried to make a big deal out of me giving you a rock as a symbol right. of our love. And that is the only thing that will happen. Right. Clearly, the, Sam the is joke like, does not land. It's not funny. I don't particularly no. think the jokes and proposals are like, unless it's like a dance routine or something, like, I'm not super into it. I feel Uh, like the joke in a proposal that's like, I'm not actually proposing is always a no. Like, just don't go there. Just don't. But it's interesting because this is the second Netflix dating or relationship show I've watched this year in which a suitor gives a rock to the person they're trying to win over as a symbol of their commitment. The other person Are you talking about Chase? (laughs) Chase on the perfect match. Oh, I didn't watch that. <laughs> oh my uh, god, it's such a—it's a much incredible. more like you know he's just trying to like match up with someone to stay in the house. It's a much more like casual dating show. Okay, but he's just like gives her a rock and is like, "This is to show that I'll be like a rock for you or something." It, and it she's didn't like, work what? in that situation either <laughs> because I no will one say. just wants a rock. I'm sorry, <laughs> what's going on? Um, and Sam doesn't know how to react to this. Sam is like, "Um, thank you." just holding it in her open palm like a toad. And then Ozzy is like, but let me continue. 
I actually did find the perfect rock for you, and it is this ring. Will you marry me? And Sam says yes. And yeah, at, I mean, that's exactly what I expected to, to have happen. Yeah. I, I expected them to, to, to get engaged, and they did, and this was actually, like, a somewhat happy-ish proposal. This was yeah. really, like, the only proposal that I, despite the fact that I did have a lot of worries about their dynamic watching the first handful of episodes, at least in this proposal, it did not feel like a total bummer. And that was a gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like as good as we'll get. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and then we move on to Xander and Vanessa, who are both very emotional getting ready for this meeting. Xander's feeling very guilty that they're not being totally loyal to Vanessa. Vanessa is devastated that now she's the one waiting for an answer. She thought she was going to be kind of in the decision-making position. And she says very straightforwardly before the proposal that seeing Xander develop feelings for someone else flipped a switch for her because she didn't want to lose her. And that's why she reconsidered her opposition to marriage. And it was interesting watching her say that in this way that was not self-conscious at all. Like, there is no, like, oh, this is embarrassing to admit, or, like, I know maybe this isn't the right reason to do this. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, I have a great reason to get married. I saw my partner get interested in someone else, and that made me panic, and I have to lock them down. Right. That made me realize <laughs> that I want this person Yeah. Now. Which it's, is exactly what her dad said, and I think was yeah. spot on. I don't think yeah, she's her dad, that my that's God. a bad reason. <laughs> I I know you've talked about this already, but I'm still reeling from that conversation <laughs> with her dad. Like, so blunt. Yeah. And, like, Vanessa was definitely not ready to hear it. <laughs> it was yeah. Amazing. But I appreciated his perspective. <laughs> they meet in the woods. Uh, Xander thanks Vanessa for four years of waking up happy nearly every day and says, I will love you forever. But then Xander says that in all their dreams of proposing to Vanessa, it was with them being much more confident in their relationship. And they can't be what Vanessa needs right now. And Vanessa takes it like a champ, at least at first, and talks about how much she's learned about herself and grown and and how hard it's been to lose Xander and to possibly see Xander move on and start a family with someone else. It feels like they both knew that a breakup was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, I'm sure at some there. point like that, there must be some kind of conversation like, what's about to happen? I, you know. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, if I were Vanessa, I too would not feel confident after what their three-week trial marriage was like, that, that a proposal was coming. I too would be like, it's probably a breakup. The promising to love each other forever, though, was like, extreme lesbian culture on display. <laughs> like, I was like, we'll see if you guys are still talking even, like, a few weeks from now and, like, are at all right. friends. And, and you're lo like, and behold, and it, would, it, it would be okay if you weren't. That could actually be healthy. It's also like, yeah, it's actually, like, it's way better to take a break and then maybe in a year you can be like, hey, do you want to catch, get some coffee? Like, that's a great way to... to reconnect with an ex if you want to do that but right. like don't promise to love each other forever that's that's not that's really sweet but just don't do it yeah <laughs> it is something that i really relate to i i really felt like such a vanessa in this scene where 
it's like you can't stop wanting to process it together, even though you've kind of come to a resolution of the relationship. And then you're like, but we are so important to each other. And like, let's just keep talking about how hard it is that our like partnership and friendship is going away. And like, maybe we'll just always be in love in a sense and we'll come back together as birds or like at another taco truck or something, because how could (laughs) such a meaningful, and I was like, oh my God, this would be me. Like 100%. (laughs) I would not be able to stop talking about it. So recognize myself and my college relationship in this. Or I was like, but one more conversation. One more conversation. Yeah. We can really solidify how much we mean to each other. And then you like realize that uh, closure is not something yeah. that you can get from a yeah. partner who you are separating from and that you need to just <sighs> it's not their cut job that off anymore. at a certain point and, and, and do that on yeah. your own. Take it's kind of part of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will say like I was incredibly happy with this outcome. I was See? like, this is great. This is I wrote in huge letters. This is so healthy. <laughs> So happy for them. Xander is like, like the champion of this show. I was like, Xander, you did the thing that no one else was brave enough to do. Be like, this was is not serving me. Yeah. I need to exit this relationship. Yeah. And also, I, I, it was cool to see Xander be like, I'm going to choose myself and center myself and do something that is actually very healthy for me. And also to see Vanessa not just get what she wants and also be able to grow from that. Yeah. Right. Like it was like, oh, this is actually, yeah, this is, this is a happy outcome here. This is a healthy outcome. This is two people being like, we, we have had love for each other. We have (laughs) been very important to each other. We also are not good for each other. And so we're going to move forward and learn from the ways in which this relationship like didn't go well. Yeah. Super um, happy for Xander. Really happy for them. And then also very happy for Vanessa. This is, this is just good stuff. Yeah. Vanessa definitely seems like someone who needs to learn what it feels like to have someone leave them. (laughs) And also like she needs, as we said last episode, like she needs to be on her own and figure out who she is. 100%. But Xander isn't just here to choose themselves and, Go solo. Xander is still hoping potentially for a happy ending with Yoli. And Yoli is like leaving that door wide open, although it's quite clear that Yoli is already engaged to Mal at this point. This is the afternoon of Yoli's morning engagement. And she's like, I'm not sure what I would do if Xander really fought for me. I'm like, well, poor Mal. (laughs) What? You should be sure. (laughs) Poor Mal. Oh, boy. I mean, I just, I found (laughs) this whole thing so disrespectful. It was insane. Wildly disrespectful. (laughs) Like, even if you feel that way, don't do that on camera for the entire world to see forever memorialize that when Mal proposed to you, the first thing you did is like go and fondle Xander's arm. And like, and like, just profess your incredible love and say if it was only love, I would it would be you. Like that was so yeah awful. Oh, you're just guaranteeing that your relationship with Mal cannot succeed. I yeah. also will say I saw an interview in which Yoli admitted that she did kiss Xander also off camera. Yeah, um, I mean that doesn't surprise yeah. me at all. I mean, yeah. No, it's not surprising, it's, but it's just like another level of yeah. like, yeah, this was not they were deeply so disrespectful physically to Mal. intimate in this conversation that it didn't even register for me that they didn't kiss. Like you said that and yeah. I was like, so yeah, true. they kissed. I guess I didn't see it. 
Um, so they meet, they embrace. Yoli is still in her proposal dress, but she's taken off her ring like some <laughs> married guy who's hoping for a hookup at a conference. Oh God. oh, God. And then and then she even takes the time to explain why she did that during yeah. this exchange. And it's horrible. Yeah, it's a bad explanation. She's like, I took it off because I just wanted to see where you were at. I'm I like, wanted to bait you into telling me that you weren't with Vanessa before. Like, I, yeah, I wanted to to make sure that you were as vulnerable as possible before I told you I'm engaged. I'm engaged, especially because like, it's like, well, like what else could you possibly have been hoping here. for? It's disrespectful to Xander, disrespectful to Mal. It's wild stuff. Wild. It's Absolutely crazy because wild. if if what you're saying is like, oh, I don't want you to just give up. I wanted you to fight for me. Well, Xander fought and that you were just like, oh, I love you. My heart wants to choose you. I'm caressing you. It could really work between us. No, I'm sticking with Mal. So like, what, <laughs> what even At a certain was point, the right. point? Yoli, if you're, if you're going to accept Mal's proposal, she needed to enter this conversation and be like, hey, it's great to see you. I want you to know I am engaged. Yeah. Or yeah. if she wanted to leave the door open with Xander, she needed to take some risk and say yeah. no to Mal, like yeah. you, I feel like Yoli really, and we've seen this throughout, wants, which understandably wants to maintain control in all situations and kind of wants to risk as little as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's like she wants all the affirmation, but she doesn't want to have to put herself out there, really. Yeah. And she wants yeah. to make sure that she's not going to end up alone. Right. Yeah. Which yes. is and which is what, what you're talking to, right? That that need yeah. for control. But it's just so blatant. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's always this, like, the grass is always greener kind of thing. Like, it's just, like, Yoli is not satisfied. I don't think Yoli would be satisfied with Xander, frankly. Like, I I don't know that to be the case, but clearly it didn't work out. Um, It's just, the only thing that I can hope is that some producer was like, hey, don't you want to know exactly what Xander feels for you? Like, maybe you shouldn't go in with the ring. Like, that's the only thing I can hope for. But we'll probably never know. And in the end, like, Yoli made the decision to to follow that advice or to just do it on her own. And, like, that that's on her. Yeah. I completely agree. It's... There's, there's some accountability here, even if production was pushing certain approaches. And uh, this uh, this whole scene is very weird to watch because it keeps seeming like Yoli is about to be like Xander wait I choose you and it keeps not quite being that it keeps being like I my heart would choose you if I'm choosing myself I'm choosing you my everything in me wants this together and then I I'm picking Mal goodbye I have to see it through I have to see it through and then, like, oh, Xander's walking sake. away and Yoli's running after and shouting, Xander, and what for? To, like, hug yeah. them. And, or being like, let's just walk off together. Walk off why? To hug off camera. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what I, are you doing? Listen, I have been in the shoes, not like this, but I have, definitely not like this, but I have been the person who's been like, oh, I really need to, like, give this relationship one last shot and like really see it through and like feel like I gave it my all. Mm -hmm. If you are saying those words to yourself as you are like (laughs) trying to reconnect with, with, with a partner, uh, it's time to walk away. Like you should never reach the point where you're like, I need to feel like I gave it my all. Do not give your all to a relationship that is not great. Don't do that. Yeah. 
Stop you have it. an amazing off-ramp here. You're not engaged. The whole concept of this show is that you are about to maybe leave alone. Just just leave alone. Like why? I'm gonna I'm gonna try walking into this prison one more time just to see if it really feels good this time. Like, no, <laughs> right. don't don't lock yourself in if, if that's how you feel. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't do a service to the person that you're like that you're trying once more with. Yeah. Right. It's not a, actually a kindness no. to no. them. It's a kindness to let someone go. And isn't that the whole thing with the right. ultimatum is that it's it's a last ditch effort. Right. That was your right. I'm trying one last time. Like that should have been. Yeah. It's an ultimatum. And then also, like, if you're issuing that, like that also is is emblematic of your inability to walk away. Right. Because you you're you're like. You're, you're you're saying it's this or I'm gone, but then you actually you if you're going to do that, you have to have the ability to follow through and like yeah. none. It's just it's yeah, this doesn't yeah. happen. There was a a moment in the first conversation with Vanessa's dad where he's like, you know, ninety nine percent right is one hundred percent wrong, and and that's how your partners feel about you. They feel one hundred percent sure about you. And I was like, you know, I actually don't think that any of the partners yeah. feel 100% sure. They're just like, I feel sure enough that I want movement badly. Yeah. And that is not the same thing. And we really see that with Yoli, who is actually not that sure about Mal at all. Yeah. So let's get into Lexi and Ray. This one is short and sweet. Lexi, ready to get engaged, still, still sure about Ray, despite spending the last few episodes just, like, berating Ray and uh, listing all of Ray's flaws. She is 24, and she's like, this is the kind of relationship that you expect to last a lifetime, so it has to continue forever, and I'm ready. And Ray has also made a decision, so they meet and... With Profess- their purses. <laughs> Why? Seriously. Where are they going to put their rings? That's, that's, that's such no, a good point. What? They don't have pockets. Oh, it was for the... Okay, I will admit that I, I hadn't know. thought about I that. I guess that was so, the first place where my, my mind My, like, went. masculine presenting self, like, I, I get that. But, like, I just... It I, is funny, because it's like you're on a TV show. Like, you don't... You're not going... At, anywhere but like it your must be the for car. the ring but I will say when do we ever see someone like, in I... an evening gown or a dress propose with a ring it usually doesn't happen you don't think about the, how important it is to have a pocket to put the okay. ring box yeah I'm okay you know it's interesting because my reaction to the purses was wow y'all are performing gender really hard right now like, we get it you're femme like but you know what I had not at all thought about like <laughs> the ring box which like okay my bias like that's that's me like popping up i'm like i you could have put it somewhere else well clearly not because you know dresses the always have pockets like, they should put but they the don't ring right in your cleavage well that lexi like, could have done only... that but ray could not yeah. like speaking as not. a flat-chested yeah. woman myself okay, okay, it would have fallen right <laughs> It would allow it. Like the purses are fine. I thought it was out. weird. I'm glad you're here to explain <laughs> no, I that. Did I really too. appreciate it. <laughs> and that is actually a good point. And it is it is true that on most marriage shows we've seen, it's just a like cis yeah, straight cis man proposing. Yeah. And and the cis guy gets to have pockets. Yeah, yes. he gets to have pockets. You know well, what? Well, I think, concluded... And I think everyone else we see propose in this final episode is wearing something with pockets. <laughs> 
<laughs> Except for these two. But I don't know. I didn't even clock their purses. That's how, like... You didn't? Brain poison. Oh, my God. They're, like, standing out, like, 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 beeping at me. Who doesn't wear like, a purse? I was just like, oh, I've never seen a proposal a- where somebody brought their purse to it. <laughs> well, you just don't see purses on reality TV yeah. because they're not allowed to, like, hold, have things, right. really. Yeah. But then they were like, well, where am I going to put the ring? And the producers were like, well, you could bring your purse. It's like, right. <laughs> That's true. So funny. You can. <laughs> oh, my God. And they do. And they do propose to each other. Yes. Ray proposes with a ring from Lexi's dad, mm-hmm. Avi. I assume that Lexi's ring for Ray is also from Lexi's dad. I assume. Uh, I can only assume. He's I mean, if you bang. have that hookup, yeah. you got to yeah. use it. <laughs> yeah. And they're engaged. And I was like, okay, they seemed like they really had some serious issues, but... um. Okay. This was to me very much like, oh, two people in their twenties yes. who are like, yes. we must get yeah. engaged. Yeah. And I was like, you'll learn. Yeah. Listen, the proposal, Ray's proposal was lackluster. Like it wasn't very I, I didn't feel it. Listen, I didn't feel it, but I also was like, yes, you are young. You know what? Yeah. I get it. Um I they seemed happy at the end and that was nice to see like I was genuinely yeah. like oh okay they, they seem happy this is like good Same. I'm glad that they get yeah. to be happy in this moment and they were clearly both happy and they clearly did you know have happy moments in their relationship yeah. so yeah. you yeah. know you, li- you live and learn yeah. on that note we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we will dive into the reunion and everything that we've seen posted on YouTube social media etc since If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't, (laughs) turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head-to-toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts, too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe, and it is, like, the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that... I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, 
something for every diet. Their fresh, never-frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. And we're back. And let's let's just get right into this reunion because, oh boy, is there a lot. Joanna Garcia Swisher welcomes <sighs> them all to the stage wearing her power shoulder pads. She's I got, did like this blazer. <laughs> that was the only yeah. thing I liked about that Joanna was all Garcia she had Swisher's prepared. performance. <laughs> She's like, I've prepared a power suit. Very few questions <laughs> or expertise on any relevant subject matter. She has got the givers on one side, the ultimatum givers, the receivers on the other side. And so we can't see, you know, if any of the couples are still together um, from who's sitting together. And they, they all start by just being like, wow, we all grew so much in this process. This was incredible therapy. And look at us. We're, we've really come so far. You're like, wow, Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> Ray and Lexi go first. They say they're still together. They've moved. uh, They went to Philly for a while to live near Lexi's family. And they've recently moved to California together at this point. And Lexi is like, it's just been the best year of my life. We've been having so much fun. Ray says once she made a decision about what to do, the white noise faded away. She wasn't having doubts anymore. She just felt like everything got easier. And Lexi is like, I would get married right now on stage. Is one of you an officiant? But no, seriously, my mom is planning us a beautiful wedding on a date that my mom has selected. <laughs> like, Listen, seems if very one of my parents, one of my parents had been a wedding planner, I would have, I would have one hundred percent used those services. Like, oh that's yeah, again, really to nice. be clear, if you have this hookup, you take it. it. Yeah. I mean, the I, wedding industry is a nightmare. I have to wonder how much of Lexi's eagerness to get married young is just like, I don't have to save up money because all the most expensive parts of getting married, I'm just going to get for free from my parents. <laughs> right. Yeah, she's like, marriage involves zero friction because I have a yeah. free wedding planner and a free ring. And then Joanna Garcia Swisher brings up Fingergate, which okay, is, Okay, so first of all, uh, what we're calling it. So fucking upsetting. I was livid. <laughs> like, and I think to you be were clear, not alone. This reunion was filmed a while ago, right? Like, the show has not January. Aired. Right. January. So, yeah. they're trying to make the term Fingergate happen. Like, there has been no public reaction. This is a thing that producers and Joanna, apparently, agreed to saying out loud. I find it was. 
This was emblematic of this thing that I've seen throughout this entire series, which is that they do not take these queer relationships between AFAB individuals seriously in any way, shape, or form. If this had been any, like, I don't care that Lexi used the term finger multiple times. I do not care. You do not repeat it. You do not diminish it in that way. You do not. It's, <laughs> I was like, wow, Netflix, stay away from queer people. You're like, it was so offensive. It was so offensive. Nobody used that term at any point in time. You brought it up. You're trying to make it happen. Just walk away. Step away. Do not interact with my community ever again, please. <laughs> like, ever. <laughs> Don't need it. Yeah, it was very weird how she brought it up, like, as we all know, this is what it is. And it's like, no one's said that. Like, who called it that? And, like, would you call an interaction in the previous season, like, penis gate? Like, what are... what? Again, this is you not taking this type of sex seriously. Right. Yeah. I honestly, I mean, we didn't touch on this in our first episode, but um, it was something that kind of niggled at me throughout. Yes. I felt like they showed a lot of sex and like foreplay. Because they don't consider it sex. Well, yeah, they don't really do it very much on... I mean, it's not like they never show sex or or foreplay or any of that stuff. But I feel like we often would see it also on Love is Blind with like, I feel like we saw more of it with Tiff and... Um, it was graphic. Yeah, what they showed was Brett, graphic. And, and what that told me is that the people who make this show do not think that sex between AFAB individuals is real sex. That's what that told me. Like, straight up, the people who made this show are homophobic and transphobic and there is no respect here whatsoever yeah yeah it seems very indicative of like a lack of respect and sort of like a dehumanizing like it's like a a fetishization and and like a straight slash male gaze kind of permeating yeah absolutely this show i mean you know i i'm sure the cast members can't speak to this but I, I would like to know. I mean, listen, maybe they were like, yeah, you can show anything. I don't care. And and if that's the case, then that's great. Um, You know, <laughs> sex positive over here. Like, this, that's wonderful. If you consented to that, that's great. But the degree to which they showed, like, I was like, wow, I, I know what is happening here. Everybody knows what is happening here. And there is no removal from it. It was just like, it felt really intrusive. It felt disrespectful. It was not good. Like, I I felt really icky every yeah. single time they showed one of those scenes. Yeah, it felt like they really did not miss an opportunity to show. And often it was when the lights were off. You know, they're using their, like, night vision cameras. They're using the mics to pick up as much as they can. And, like, it did... You're right. It was very intrusive and felt very disrespectful. And... Uh, yeah, so yeah. I think you make a good point of, about the way that she's talking about this incident here in the reunion. And yeah, no queer host would have used the term fingergate. That's like, just don't do it. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, I yeah. mean, even like as a straight cis person, like that stood out to me as like, wait, why? Why is yeah. this the language that you're using? It feels very off-putting and yeah like there and were then hookups in Lexi... the first season and no one was like oh like bj gate or whatever even like it was yeah, yeah i'm waiting for handjob gate 2023 <laughs> oh <my> okay. God. <laughs> and then what happens is that lexi apologizes for being vulgar 
by and it speaking also puts about Lexi it. in the position to be like, do this like explainer for the benefit of straight people, basically, and being like in the queer community, you know, sex can refer to different things. It's like I just I I resent that this show put its cast members who are already very like emotionally vulnerable in a position to also educate people outside of the community on sexual norms. Like it's just, it's not their responsibility and it's very weird and it's very disrespectful to have a host that is completely ill-equipped to, to navigate these conversations. Uh, Yeah. That's absolutely what's going on there. The host was just like unable to intervene, unable to, to, to be like, yo, Lexi, like maybe not right now. Like that's not super great. Um, and honestly, I was happy to see Lexi apologize. I do agree that the the explanation behind the apology, like you spoke about your partner as though she was an object. Mm-hmm. And revisiting this should only be you apologizing for that. Yes. And that's it. That's all that should have been. Um, but instead, you decided to turn it into like, you know, in the queer world. And I was just like, that, yo, that is not, I don't care if you're queer or or strictly straight. Uh, that, what you did to Ray was not okay. Yeah, it was much more an apology, it felt like, to the audience for describing things that sounded vulgar rather than an apology for... Treating Ray badly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I think that's such a good point. It, yeah. like, took the focus off of what actually should have been the conversation at hand um but i don't think we like ever see lexi take accountability for being like a bad partner to ray in any way whatsoever so that doesn't surprise me no and it really feels like ray is there being like okay my mission is to protect my relationship with lexi because like i've been chastened into realizing that like i didn't do that enough yeah, and Ray is just constantly apologizing. And, right. and frankly, like, I just feel really bad for her the whole time. Like, I, I want you to stop apologizing. I want you to be able to go, don't talk about me that way. That wasn't okay. It hurt me. And it was super unnecessary. And it was really embarrassing for you to do that. Like, you embarrassed me on national television, and now we're engaged. And that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, again, it doesn't feel like there's really room in their relationship dynamic for Ray to also have been hurt. Like, there's only room for Lexi to have been hurt by what happened. And so I will say, uh, even though they're saying it's, like, been this great year, I was not totally surprised to see the closing screen which said, it was a title card at the end that said, shortly after filming the reunion, Lexi and Ray chose to end their relationship. The wedding has been called off. I was surprised by how fast it happened. I did not think that they would get married, but (laughs) apparently very soon after the reunion was filmed, they broke up because Lexi is already in a new relationship. Uh, She posted about it on Instagram. She's now dating photographer Kristen Zonk, Zonkinelli. And so the, it seems like they they broke up pretty soon after the reunion, from what I've read. And Ray has said in various interviews that Lexi's, quote, lifestyle changed in the last year, and it caused her to realize they weren't a great fit. Um, that's vague. I don't know what that yeah, means mean. exactly, but... 
I was like became a major influencer. That's uh, in, that could be part of it. Yeah, we don't know, but um, you know, they seem to both, which is nice, seem to be like trying to not make it a whole thing right. in, yeah. in the media and just like be respectful of each other, which I think is always wonderful. Yeah. Um, and I am glad they're not together because I think that they're like, and they're both young. Like there's yeah. there is a lot of space. They should have space to figure out how, you know, a relationship that actually brings out the things that in them that they they both need as individuals. And I just don't think that that was yeah. each other. Yeah, I think they both deserve more happiness than that relationship could provide. So yeah. that's great. Yeah. Sometimes a breakup is the happiest ending. That yeah. is the lesson of this I was show. rooting for the breakups that kept, oh my getting, God, that kept really dropping. I was too. like, yes, You're another like, one. Yes, yes. choose nice. yourself. Good Do job. that. You can be <laughs> yeah. happier. It's going to be didn't. great. Yeah. I mean, that's the entire premise of this show, right? They they bring problematic relationships onto the show. They put them on display. And the mere fact that you are on this show tells me that you probably shouldn't be together. Like, that's the premise. Yep. Yeah. Probably. It really should be like, if you got all the way to being on this show, surprise, you have to break up now. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that should be the big reveal. Yeah. Uh, we've <laughs> learned. It's just one episode. It's just like, <laughs> exactly. we selected you, which means your relationship is bad. <laughs> yeah, you got to part ways. Uh, we hear a little bit from Vanessa during this conversation because she sort of tries to apologize and, like, I guess, take accountability for not necessarily being the partner that Ray needed in this experiment. She's like, you know, hooking up didn't really serve what either of us needed out of this. And Lexi accuses her of taking the whole thing lightly and treating it like a joke when Ray was taking it more seriously. And Vanessa's like, yeah, I was trying to diffuse Ray's emotions around it by being funny and like outspoken. And that's been my crutch. And that's something I've learned from this show. And I just hope that you guys can go on with your lives and like forget me and forget I ever existed. And Lexi's like, that's what happened. That's what's happening. We don't remember you. And Ray's like, yeah. I'm going to say it does not seem like Lexi has forgotten Vanessa at all for how much she speaks about her publicly. <sighs> so I, I was like, well, at least they're not like yelling at each other again or rehashing. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Like, I'm just glad that that was, like, kind of short. Not sweet, but short. Same. Yeah. Same. It's like, you said what you said. Okay, move yeah. on. Yeah. Then we hear from Vanessa and Xander. They have not been talking since the show, or at least more recently Which since the show. seems healthy yeah. to me. Vanessa does not seem okay about it. Vanessa cries a lot during this conversation. She seems very emotional. Um she says that she had initially hoped to rekindle things. It sounds like they tried to mm -hmm. get back together off the show. And then once it became clear that it wouldn't work out, they stopped talking. Um, but they both still talk a lot about how much they love each other. Um, and they want to be friends in the long run. And Vanessa is like, I love Xander so much. I will like accept whatever form our future takes. Like, I know it's not going to be romantic. And then Xander cries and is like, I was afraid I would never hear that from Vanessa because I never wanted Vanessa out of my life. That's my best friend. And yeah, it just seems like a lot, a lot of unresolved emotions still around how their relationship f like fell apart on yeah. both sides. 
just a lot of feelings, big feelings, as I often say these days. Yeah. There's also, yeah. there just seems to be a lot that goes unsaid, which is fine. Like, I, you know, if you're guarding some stuff, but like, especially from Xander, right? Like, I'm just like, there are so many that, and that's also where I wanted a queer host to be like, mm-hmm. Xander, you keep talking about, you know, this journey that you've been on and maybe there's been, but you're alluding to this thing. Can we just get a little bit more insight into what this thing is? I, you know, I just was like, it just felt like there was a lot of uncomfortability around certain <laughs> topics. And listen, I this is me making an assumption. I don't know, but I'm very curious if some of that is like gender and gender identity. And I just feel like a queer host maybe would have been able to ask some of those questions. I don't know if Joanna tried, but I just feel like if you're like, a cis straight person, you might have, like, you might be a little uncomfortable asking certain questions that maybe would have helped tease some things apart. And, like, listen, I don't know. I don't know what what journey Xander is on. Um, but I just, like, throughout the show, there's, like, the treatment of gender is very strange and, like, goes undiscussed. And, you know, when you see Sam, who I want to say, like, 90% of the time did not use Aussie's pronouns on the show or any pronouns for Aussie on the show. And, like, that was very clear to me from the start. And that is never discussed. <laughs> and so nobody else, no other cast member follows through on those things. Like, it just seems like there is, like, a general lack of, like, let's just pretend that all these people are cis. And uh, I, again, yeah. didn't appreciate it. Didn't like it. No, it was very, it was very striking and it did feel like on several of these people's individual journeys, there was like some grappling with gender that had happened, you know, in the the close years prior to filming and also during filming and also since filming. And so it did feel like such a gaping hole to just not have those things discussed, especially with like Xander and with Ozzy because there would be little moments and with Tiff, like there would be little moments when these things would be alluded to. And yet, yeah, it was really, really papered over um, in a way that felt, yeah, just very odd and did, did a disservice to the, to us as the audience understanding the emotional and romantic journeys that all these people are are going on and have gone on since. Yeah, and like for me like as a transmasculine person watching the show, I'm going, okay, when Vanessa says, you know, I love that girl to Xander, I'm just going, is Xander okay with that? Is Xander not saying something in this moment? Is is there a question that needs to be asked here? Is there like and again, it's just because we haven't been told anything and for honestly, right. like nobody we are, we as the audience are not owed any information about anybody's gender journey on this show. Like, we are not owed that. But for me, as a non-binary person watching it, when I hear Vanessa say, love that girl to Xander, I'm wondering, is Xander wincing internally? Does that hurt? Does that feel like you're not respecting their identity? Xander uses she, they. I don't know exactly where where we're at at this point in time right i don't have your timeline but i am feeling that it mm-hmm. hurts me a little bit and maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm totally wrong i don't know but i'm picking up on these things throughout this series and it's very very strange to me that gender is never discussed in any in-depth way at all 
And that seems like a production decision. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's weird to, like, we talked about this a little in the first episode, how kind of bizarre it was that the only time we've really, I think we've seen the the producers talk publicly about making this show specifically different from The Ultimatum, Marry or Move On, is that they were like, oh, we wanted to make it its own separate thing, queer love. So we hired a different host, and the host is just a random straight actress, and it seems like that's, like, the the only thing they really did. And it's, like, this was an opportunity to really, yeah, thoughtfully produce it with queer producers. Or, I don't producers know, like, pay a and queer like, person for hosting a queer show. Like, I don't know. Well, that exactly. could have been nice, Like, too, hire, right? hire like, a queer host. Hire <laughs> queer producers. Like, really engage with this thoughtfully and directly. And instead, it's, like, they're constantly skirting around it. Or doing something going, random like hiring Joanna like, Garcia Swisher to set this apart as a what, show, which how about does that accomplish anything? In in part one, which is like when it comes to the host, the, it's almost like they were reaching for a cis straight lady. Like it would have been more obvious and easier to go to like, as we said, like one of the like queer eye cast or to Chriselle Staus or any of the, the May queer... Martin, like literally right, the, just like people just like you have queer people on your who platform already yeah. on all the time. Exactly. Yes. There are like, so many people they could have gone to first and they were like, <laughs> Joanna Garcia Swisher. This lady. Sure. No, it's true. And they don't, they don't really dive into that. And also like, I don't think that she's prepared to ask follow-up questions about anything in any meaningful way. So, like, it's Zero. like it's all layered on top. Like, is her incompetence as like a host and a journalist? You know, there's there's no ability to like ask the tough follow-up question to begin with, and then certainly no versing on the relevant issues, as you're saying. So we we skirt around that with, with Xander. We skirt around it with Aussie uh, when when it comes time to talk to Aussie, um, and then we we do first talk to Mal and Yoli. Um, oh, I, we should say sorry that Xander and Vanessa have not been in contact since the reunion either, which seems good. I'm like that yeah. seems for the best. Yeah, yeah, seems healthy. Mal uh, and Yoli, yes. are happily broken up. We learn per Mal, Very, per Mal. And it seems like things turned sour, like, basically immediately, which, again, is not surprising given how we saw the proposal play out. They were already sour. They were right. sour. Yes, the exactly. Proposal. There was no turn needed, I guess. Um, but it's very... This is another place where I was, like, shouting at the screen at Joanna Garcia Swisher. Follow-up because questions? they have like a five-minute conversation about the timeline of their breakup at the end of which I have no idea what the timeline of their breakup was. And I don't understand how she was unable to elicit a clear timeline from them. But she asks how quickly after the experience things turned bad and Yoli says two weeks and Mel's like, uh, no, maybe for you, not for me. And then Yoli says they went on vacation. Mal got a ticket home and told Yoli she was moving out. And that was within two weeks. And Mal's like, it wasn't two weeks. And then Yoli says, after filming, things went back to their old ways. And so they took time apart. And Mal said it wouldn't work out. 
And that was the end. And Mal agrees. And I'm like, but what is the time? <laughs> when yeah, did all was, of these things happen? Confusing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I God. didn't get much from that at all. Yeah. I'm just, you know, happy for both of them that they're not together anymore. 100%. Yeah, I completely agree. And I was glad to finally see Mal have some space for their feelings and a little bit of resentment and anger, which I think is just very human if you're put in in a situation that, that they were put in. And it felt like during the meat of the show, it was constantly just Mal in the position of being like, I'll take anything, I'll accept anything, I'll bend to you in whatever way you need. And there was something a little bit satisfying to me to see Mal be like, I felt disrespected. Yeah. This was unfair. You know, I didn't yeah. appreciate the way that I was treated in this relationship and you weren't being honest with me. Because I think that's what we all saw yeah. on the show. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when Mal brings up, you know, that that conversation at the bar that Yoli had with Xander. Like, yeah, that was, I mean, I was like, my eyes were like popping out of my head the whole time that I was watching that. Like, yes, that it was weird and kind of disrespectful. Um, it was good for Mal to be able to air some of that for sure. Um, but I, I, yeah, they're just, the point is they shouldn't be together. It, it yeah. I'm glad that they realized it quickly, that it didn't drag on for a really long time. Um, and yeah. in interviews they've given since, it does seem like they both still have that respect for each other. And it's like, you know, there's a time and a place to be like, I'm going to express some of my frustration and anger. And also they are both, they both seem, you know, old enough and mature enough to be like, and now we can move on and not really hold that. Like yeah. we just are going to be yeah. better with other people. Yeah. And I think that at one again, point, a breakup is happy. A breakup is a happy yes, ending. Yes, at, yes. <laughs> at one point, Joanna asks if they're still friends. And Mal is like, you know, I, Yolia's family to me, sometimes there's like a cousin that you just can't stand for a while. And that's, that's Yoli to me right yeah. now. That was excellent. That yeah, was, that was excellent. That was I also real. noticed that um, Lexi reused that line in a, in a Netflix interview oh, and was Lexi. like described Ray the same way. And I was like, Lexi, we know you cribbed that directly. <laughs> we, from all that. we all watched. We all watched it. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I will say that this was a moment where I felt very strongly that they needed like a studio audience. Mm -hmm. um, I know that they filmed this before the show was released, but it felt so awkward. Like <sighs> yeah. the the vibe in that room was so off, and it, that was the moment where I was like, God, I wish there was a queer audience here. For people to react to. And sometimes audiences can be toxic. But in this moment, I was just like, I need like something other than this host and like this empty, <laughs> extremely quiet room. There was just ugh, ugh. that's a good it was thought. Almost funny at times to see them having these really like tough conversations. And then just to see Joanna in the middle with her eyes like flitting back and forth, like, oop, oop. Well, I, I her she's scared sometimes. as a garden gnome. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh my god! No, I just I saw her described on the internet as a garden gnome. Yeah, just like there is in the a center, little, like a little bit of that. Just like, oh, oh. Yeah. they're fighting over me. Um, yeah, but I did like sometimes the awkwardness felt fitting to me. Like I was like, this is an awkward conversation, and mm. we're all sitting with how awkward this is right now because there's nothing to like take the edge off or 
yeah, make it feel like there's an appropriate reaction being had in the moment. Um, I want to bring up a moment I found so off-putting, which is when Yoli, like Vanessa brings up that. Mm, Yeah, I want to talk about this. Yeah, that Xander and Yoli had met up and kind of tried to make things work after. Oh, right. And Yoli speaks to Vanessa as though she's crazy and lying. And then Vanessa's like, Xander, can you confirm that you were talking about meeting up in Hawaii? And then Xander's like, yeah, that did happen. And Yoli's yeah. like, oh, that one. Oh, that yeah. Well, that's that the second trip. time she's done that. Yes. Yes. Right? yes. With <laughs> the pattern, right? Like, oh, oh, you mean that, that text. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Did. Oh, I did now I recall. That time I asked Yeah, I didn't know you were talking about that text. Yeah. She's thought like you were really, you know, yeah, really right. weaponizing the fact that people don't like Vanessa as much, like that the cast doesn't like and it, Vanessa. It, it seemed like it's unsettling in that way where you're like, oh, how often does this work for you? Like right. where you no one has the receipts or like calls you out and you just get away with acting like someone else is lying about you. And then yeah, trying no, really to make it seem did. like that's not what's no. happening by yeah. immediately conceding once the receipt comes out. Like, oh, no, yeah, I just didn't realize that you were talking about that trip to Hawaii with Xander. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you forgot a whole planned trip to Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, and this was a moment where Yoli is like, wow, Vanessa, like, this is none of your business. And I'm like, actually, like... Like, it is. It is a I'm little sorry. bit. It's a little bit. I'm sorry. Bit. You might not like <laughs> Vanessa, but Vanessa and Xander did date for four years. Like, yeah. And they were that, still, like, it sounds like... Trying to make things trying work. Trying to talk. And, trying to make things Xander work. And Xander and Yoli seem to have been in communication when they were both in complicated situations yeah. with their previous partners. Yeah. So, like... Yeah, I don't know. Seems like Mal's business. Seems like Vanessa's business. Seems like all four of your business. And Mal did not And this was another moment where Mal, like Mal was just talking about how embarrassing it was to learn about like various actions that Yoli took throughout this process as the show was being filmed. And then also watching it back and going like, oh, you didn't tell me everything. And then at the reunion, it happens again. And it's like... Yeah. I can't believe that you managed to again shock Mal by by just like having the extent to which you were in it with Xander throughout all of this just be put on full display for everyone to see. Like I just really wished like Yoli before the reunion call Mal up and say, yeah. "Hey, just like be ready for this. Like this might come." Right. Up. Like just, just say give all the them things. a heads up. Yeah. Yoli seems to feel that because she was upfront about being in love with Xander throughout, that that is sufficient honesty. Like, yeah, like it, that covered everything. And I, I, on some level, I can understand being like, oh, are you surprised we were holding hands? Like, I told you we were in love. But, you know, that doesn't actually cover everything. <laughs> <laughs> like no, if you're I mean, in your just... trial marriage and you're off like hugging and holding hands and kissing and being like I love you with someone else that's an, a disclosure of its own yeah I think that there's like a level of restraint that Yoli just did not show throughout the entire process like you could have decided okay in this three weeks like I'm in it with Mal I'm not going to you know 
fondle Xander's arm or hold hands. Like we're going to, we're going to do this as respectfully for malice we can while I'm like in this. And like, that didn't happen. Yeah. And it's, even though there was full, like I am in love with Xander too. I, I think that there could have been like, I just I just feel like it's really weird to do that while your partner is in the same room and you're trying to figure out figure it out with them like there's just like a lot of creeping around like it was it was weird it was weird and when Yoli says like I feel like I'm an ad for polyamory like I'm sorry fuck you that is not polyamory (laughs) like like this is the definition of unethical (laughs) non-monogamy which is not polyamory Right. I'm like, polyamory, to my understanding, requires a lot of, like, consent and conversation and openness and a clear drawing of boundaries that everyone is agreeing upon. Yeah. You're just talking about, yeah, creeping around and lying to a partner. Yeah, That's no, not this was, polyamory. This was not it. Yeah. And it's like, it's like everybody in the, the poly community, like, I'm so sorry that Yoli said that. That sucks. That sucks a lot. Yeah, this is not representative at all. Uh, Also, also, like, the way that they talk about that trip to Coachella, where they're both like, it was just friendly. We just saw Megan the Stallion. Mm. And I'm like, well, I don't believe anything you say Mm. anymore, Yoli. (laughs) So now I don't believe that you just met up in a friendly way at Coachella. Like, no one's here to call you on that, I guess. But they're not trying anything anymore they were in each other's journey for a while but now they're doing their own thing again as Xander put it so I guess it wasn't like the faded love that many viewers hoped it would be and so they both really wanted to be parents so at the end of this conversation Joanna asked them both about parenthood and Xander is like I'm just like planning getting all my ducks in a row so I'll be ready and Yoli starts crying and says she's realizing motherhood might not be a thing for her because she doesn't want to rush to have kids with anyone. And she seems very emotional about it. And she's like, I'll babysit any sad. of your kids. Which I actually thought was really cute. I, I thought that was beautiful when she said that. Yeah. So, yeah, so did I. And like, yeah, that that also that dynamic felt very familiar. Um, like I've certainly seen it with friends of mine that just that feeling of like, this is an experience I thought I wanted, but I also want this partnership. And like, how do I grapple with yeah. the parenthood piece if the relationship that feels healthy and good has not yeah. come my way yet? And there's only so much you could control there. And so I definitely really like felt for her yeah. in that in and that moment. It's sad. I also will yeah. say Yoli is in her mid thirties and she's she's got time baby like she really does I, she, she could i wish as someone who's older than i wish, for, and I wish still, everyone to achieve what still, they want yeah right, still grappling with whether or not to have kids i'm like the door hasn't shut yet yoli so that brings us to kind of the end of the yoli and mal section and we do need to get into the exchange we witnessed between tiff and mildred and of course there's been a lot of discussion um, and social media posts and stuff around this dynamic that have happened since. <sighs> yeah. Okay. This, okay. So the way this all starts is really actually with Joanna asking Tiff about Shiloh, Tiff's beloved dog. And Tiff says Shiloh was good, but Shiloh needed emergency s- surgery around Christmas. And Mildred interjects at this point 
and is like, what date a child will have surgery? Christmas Eve? I just want to get my date straight because on Christmas Eve, my sister, my family got messages and phone calls from Tiff saying that Shiloh wasn't going to make it. And it was very intrusive. We're not on speaking terms. You're not allowed in my life anymore. Which is like, uh, what a left turn out of how is your dog doing? (laughs) Suddenly (laughs) we're here. And this is how we learned that Tiff and Mildred are no longer together. This was just a very intense and immediate kind of, especially watching it a couple times, like it really felt like an intentional sort of hijacking of the narrative like this, like before Tiff really had any chance to say anything about their own experience, it seemed like Mildred kind of panicked and was like, I'm taking the reins here. Yeah, I was very confused by why. Mildred felt the need to even interject there. there. But um, this kicks off the conversation. Mildred says that they moved in together after the show, but then they weren't planning for the wedding. They weren't planning for the future. She implies that Tiff wouldn't get a job, which Tiff disputes. She says she felt financially taken advantage of, which Tiff disputes. And she concludes by saying, it was one of the hardest decisions I've made ever to leave Tiff. And then Tiff says, what do you mean you left? And Mildred is like, oh, you want to take the show to say you dumped me? That's fine. It doesn't matter. And then Tiff is like, well, why did you go out of your way to say you left then? And Mildred says, because I physically left the home. So it seems like Mildred wanted to get out up front that she like bravely walked away from Tiff. Yeah. And then when Tiff yeah. is like, why are you saying you dumped me? Well, she's like, why are you, why are you trying to make everyone think that, <laughs> that right. you oh, dumped that's me? To you. <laughs> that's important. It, it's like, you were trying to set that up as, I was yeah. like, what is, go-? very quickly, I was like very disoriented by what was happening in this conversation. It was extremely startling. And yes. it only got worse from there. What I did notice in just that little bit is this thing that Mildred does all the time, which is that she has a habit of wanting any fight to humiliate whoever she's fighting with. And so bringing up like, can you can you just get a job to Tiff, who Tiff claims that they had a job the whole time? Uh, You know, again, it's like. One person's word for the other, like, yes. But there's just like the, the little there's certain details that Mildred drops. And this was also the case with Aussie, by the way, little details that Mildred dropped that it seems like it's always designed to humiliate and not to actually add any kind of strength to the argument. It is to make that person look bad and to to just like it's. It's not about the fight. It's not about the relationship. It is an attempt at humiliation and it's very, very blatant and it's been really upsetting for me throughout this season. And then it was just like put on display in a way that was just like so horrifying in this particular moment. Um, yeah. It was hard to watch. It reminded me in a darker way of the Yoli thing of like, I'm going to try to get my narrative across and then when I'm called on it, I will be like, oh, fine, like, you're right, but why are you bullying me by pointing out that you're right right, right now? It, it also felt a little bit like a disorientation tactic, which Tiff seems to feel throughout, which is like, yeah. Mildred is very quickly dropping 
like making a point and then dropping all of these side accusations yes. in little ways, which leaves the other person in the position to try to pick which thing, which thing to defend do I themselves yes. yeah. against. It's, and it's the gish gallop. Mildred is gish galloping them. Just like, how many arguments can I put down out there? They won't have time to respond or like the bandwidth mentally to even keep track. It's hard to watch. There's a point when like Mildred complains that Tiff called her a bad mom and she didn't feel accepted as a mother. And Tiff starts to respond and be like, yes, I did have trouble connecting with your son. I tried. And Mildred immediately interrupts to be like, you brought women into my home. And I'm like, I thought we were talking about whether Tiff respected you as a mother. Why are you changing the subject now to something completely different? That was like the pace of the whole conversation. And it really felt like a tactic to me. It's like, I can overpower someone yeah. verbally yet by just constantly redirecting and changing right. the terms of of what we're discussing. Right. And then Tiff has to say, well, actually, like, I was in that house and you had moved out. And yes, I did have dates. It wasn't our home anymore at this point. Like, it's just it's it's a lot of framing of things in a way that is designed to make Tiff look much worse than they are. And yes, it's it's really upsetting to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That cut really threw me. I was like, well, you broke up like just because Tiff is the one who happens to still be living in the home you shared and you still have some things there. Does that mean that Tiff can't date be, until all of your boxes of stuff are removed? Like that doesn't also seem. When, when Tiff even says that, then Mildred says. And no one's judging you for going on dates. <laughs> right, and exactly. It's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and and I, and I just felt so much for Tiff in that moment of just like, and you could see their face just getting clouded with like, what is reality? Like, what is going on right now? And yeah. clearly bringing up, how I read it was that it was bringing up dynamics that Tiff had previously experienced in the relationship. And so it was very... Um, it was just very disturbing to watch and yeah. you could tell how upset it was making Tiff. And you could tell that a lot of the other cast members were just sort of frozen and didn't know yeah. what to do. And up until that point, being frozen is something that I think I I kind of understand from everybody else who was in that room. Totally. But then, <laughs> uh, you know, don't want, Claire, don't want to take your job away from you here, but, but, <laughs> but Mildred mentions an arrest. And it yes. just got so unbelievably, like, <laughs> this show, the framing of this show is so bad. Uh, no, this yeah. was bananas because Mildred brings up the arrest. Like, I think Joanna asks something very basic, like, when did the relationship end? Or that's where the conversation heads. And Mildred says that she was arrested. She says she threw a picture frame. She shattered it. She also threw a heavy pet gate at Tiff. and. They then have this back and forth about, like, an actual criminal domestic violence allegation. Yeah. Without it, those words not ever moderated being used. at all. Not, like, not Joanna's all. just, like, sitting back and letting Mildred bulldoze Tiff in order to get her own version of an event in which she was arrested for physically abusing Tiff 
onto the record yeah. above TIFF's version. The terms intimate partner violence are never used. The terms assault nope. are never used. Joanna never steps in at any point in time to be like, by the way, what you were talking about is an incidence of intimate partner violence. TIFF, are you okay? <laughs> Let's give TIFF the floor. Right? Yeah. Mildred, shut up. There was up. no intervening. Nothing. There was yeah. no intervening. And TIFF um, did put out a video on YouTube after this was released in which they said that they did inform production about this arrest, that they did give production the police report. So there was no excuse for Joanna not to have been prepped to deal with this if it were to come up. Like I, Tiff said that they had told production that they didn't have the intention of bringing it up. Of yeah. bringing it up. But like, even so, everyone should have been prepared that yeah. this might come up and Absolutely. that there are protections in place to to deal with it and that you have a host who is fucking equipped to talk about intimate partner violence. No, this show is wildly irresponsible. The host completely dropped the ball. And I don't know if I should be, like, I, it's not just her, it's the entire production team, right? Yes. Um, And to then have Mildred keep talking like this, keep being incredibly rude, keep, like, we just, like, gloss over this assault. Nothing stops. There is no moment for, for Tiff to, like... <laughs> how incredibly re-traumatizing is it to have that conversation? No other cast member jumps in too. By the way, like I'm it's not their job to do that. Maybe they didn't think it was their place. There's a lot of weird dynamics that can happen in a TV show when there's a host who's in power and that person is not taking the reins. But I also kind of wish that a cast member had said something and maybe maybe they did. It seems like from everybody's statements nobody did. Um It seems like a lot of people are not wanting to take sides, which I'm struggling with. There's a side to on, take here. There is a yeah. side to take here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're, you're like the way that you've been talking about how this plays out, it's, I rewatched it a few times and each time it's like more shocking to me. Yes. Because basically Mildred clearly brings this up in order to get her version of events on the record first, yeah. even though they don't look good for her. She's like, I want to be the one saying it. I'm going to get out ahead of the story. She maybe doesn't know that Tiff doesn't want to bring it up. And when Tiff tries to, at any point, give Tiff's own version of the events, Mildred shouts Tiff down and plays it off as, like, empowerment. It's like, I'm talking. You don't have that power over me anymore. You have to let me finish. And I'm like, if you are taking accountability for assaulting your ex-partner, you should be, at minimum, giving your partner the floor to speak to how they were harmed by this. And that and really felt very like opposite. Um, and that really felt to me like a gender dynamic thing again, where it's like, wow, Mildred, you're taking advantage of the fact that you are like female presenting here and that mm -hmm. you are therefore thinking that you will be perceived as the victim when Tiff is. And do not get me wrong. Mildred talked about Tiff punching walls. And, and I believe that that happened. Like there seems like there's yeah. like violent behavior on both sides here. But Tiff is a victim of abuse here. And Mildred is abusive. <laughs> and we can use those words and we can say that that thing. We can use terms like intimate partner violence. This show should have stopped in this moment. Everything should have stopped. We should have given Tiff room. Mildred should have been told to shut the fuck up. That it was not her turn, in fact. She shouldn't have been able to say that Tiff's voice was rude in her ears 
or yeah. like oh was, my god what was it she said like she yeah. said you're can you not speak because your voice is like a like it, ringing it, it like ringing in my, my ears. ears at yeah. no yeah. point in time should it have gone to that point the board game shouldn't have been brought up like at at the moment that that assault gets brought up everything stops yeah and it is entirely yes. on this show that they did not do that and I, yeah. I texted you about this. I, you know, I was so upset because, again, to me, this is another sign that that Netflix and the ultimatum were not equipped to deal with queer relationships and to deal with any relationship. Right. Because we're talking about bringing problematic relationships onto a show where you should expect that there might be abuse. You should expect yes. that there might be these kinds of things. You need to equip your crew, your staff, every single producer on the show, you need to equip them to deal with that stuff. And they didn't. And it seems very emblematic to me of the fact that a queer relationship where something like this happens, we don't take that seriously, right? When 100%. when there is assault between AFAB individuals, we don't take that seriously in the same way that we don't take seriously anybody's gender or their pronouns in the same way that we don't take seriously when they have sex because that's not real sex like that is the vibe throughout the show the show is homophobic and it is transphobic and i'm super upset about it yeah yeah and i think that it's like they really showed their whole asses with the way that these last this these last two episodes specifically and this I mean, this reunion was produced in the way that they have marketed it and spoken about it since. Like, it is it is very disturbing. And yeah, I think there is a dynamic at play there where we do have a cultural narrative that says femme-presenting people are, are more likely to be victims. And it's interesting because I think in a straight cis relationship we often see the femme presenting person not taken seriously and then it's like weaponized the other way when we see a dynamic between like tiff and and mildred and yeah when you don't when you're not taking these gender dynamics into account or seriously and you have not equipped your staff to to take the possibility of intimate partner violence seriously, especially when you literally, when you literally have a police report. Like this was not yeah. something that was sprung on them. And learning that makes it even more disturbing. Like there was no excuse anyway. For them but to then not be learning prepared. that there was yeah. absolutely the opportunity to very specifically prepare to deal with this in a sensitive way. Like they they could have, you know, separated, brought tiff on separately first yes. to have a one-on-one -on -one with 100%. someone like there are so many ways as Forcing, journalists we know yeah. mm -hmm. that there are ways to conduct interviews that keep people as safe as possible yeah and none of that was done and then allowing once tiff walks off allowing mildred to have the last word to continue yes. talking it, it just it just <laughs> unbelievable yeah unbelievable like and tiff left the show in tears like feeling verbally abused and gaslighted even in that moment on stage and the reaction of the show was is tiff coming back no well mildred like how are you feeling are you dating like who gives oh, you a believe fuck? in love who now? cares if Great. mildred is dating seriously I at this point do i don't care. care and the fact that the only person who interjected during the exchange is yoli to back mildred 
up? I think Aussie did Aussie too. Aussie does. Yeah. Actually, but Sam, Aussie oh, Sam gets up. It. Sam gets up. No, Sam, Sam gets up. Oh, right. After. Sam gets up after Tiff walks off. But I mean, in that first yeah. part Oh, you mean when, of, when Yoli yeah. says like, well, why did you ask yeah, why, about the rent Why did you ask about the, the rent? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I meant like in that first yeah, yeah, um, yeah, no, bit right. of the conversation when they are going back and forth. That is the only interjection. Once Tiff walks off, Sam does follow them. And I, I love Sam. Yeah. I really love Sam. And I really loved the relationship that Tiff and Sam seemed to develop during their trial marriage. A lot like of patience we talked about. On yeah. a, lot, a lot of patience. And in this way where it felt like they both reached a place of really understanding each other. And so I, I was heartened at least that Sam did follow Tiff and show them that like someone is there for them. Yeah. Um, and, and Aussie also spoke up to say like, yes. not to take sides, but gaslighting, that sure sounds like a Mildred thing to me. Yeah, see, see, feels and like something I experienced. But Yuli's again, like, I was Mildred, like, Aussie. do you need anything? Do you need some water? And I'm like, <sighs> I think Mildred has everything going exactly the way she wants right yeah. now, actually. Yeah, everybody's taking care of you, Mildred. It, unbelievably so. And honestly, I was like, Aussie, like, if you want to step in, don't make it about you. Like, maybe you could have stepped in and been like, wow, so so we're talking about assault here, right? Like, we're talking about, like, yeah. none of that. Like, even Aussie, I was like, oh, like, I don't, like, yeah. I get the parallel that you're trying to make here. You feel vindicated. You were humiliated by Mildred in many ways. I get it. Uh, I just was hoping for something very different, and we got none of that. Yeah, absolutely. It was beyond frustrating to watch how this all unfolded and how instead of ending the conversation, like you said, with the abuse, we're ending with these random allegations about like, oh, Tiff brought sex board games into the home and like there was eyeliner and I don't wear eyeliner. And I'm like, Mildred, I know you I wear can eyeliner. See I'm the like, eyeliner I'm, on I'm like, your oh my face. God, I'm I'm being gaslit by Mildred because I'm looking at I watched eyeliner. her put on eyeliner. Also, you can just say it wasn't my makeup. Like, you don't yeah. have to lie to me about whether you wear eyeliner. But, like, that's where the conversation goes. And I'm like, I'm sorry. None of this means fucking anything when we were talking about actual, like, physical violence a moment ago. Also, Mildred's thing about punching walls was, like, walls were punched. And I was like, right. So are you saying that Tiff punched the right. walls? I right. feel like you could yes. like that. There were, there were, yes, there was there some were distancing just walls language being punched. <laughs> yes, yeah. I yes. Oh, this was a really, really, really difficult to watch. It doesn't feel like we're equipped as people who just are watching this produced as a reality show to to even adjudicate, adjudicate it. But yeah. based on even what we saw, it's beyond clear how wildly mishandled this was by the show. Yeah. And it's, like you said, Ariel, just really, really upsetting to yeah. watch it unfold and, and for no one to intervene and make sure that Tiff is is in a safe place and is is feeling taken care of at all or or yeah. listened to. And that Mildred is allowed to just kind of like... Run away with that yeah. interaction. And Emma, and you did. Well, I was going to say you did. You did point out to me. You know, I said I texted you about this, and you did point out yeah. to me that, like, my initial reaction, which, by the way, I still think is true, but <laughs> like, I still think is like Like, I do think that this adds to my case. Um, but my initial reaction was, oh, this is them diminishing 
these relationships because they are queer again. Which but I, as you, I agree with you that that is absolutely part of it. And also you added some context that I think was really useful is you brought up season one, you brought up Zay and Ray, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and how there was, again, a, a display of intimate partner abuse in one particular scene, which I went and watched back. And yeah, there's there's no intervention there. Like they're filming. I don't know if somebody's watching those feeds when they're filming, but like somebody, a producer could have like knocked on that door and been like, hey, are you guys okay? Can we stop this right now? It's very yeah. disturbing. It's a very disturbing it scene. It was not treated as a, as a weighty interaction in any way by the show. At as the far time. as I'm concerned, this show needs to be canceled immediately. And yeah. like all of these people need to reckon with their inability to keep these people safe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, now that we have seen two, like for two, two for on two on domestic violence in these seasons, and it, in a way, it's not surprising. Like, they should really be more prepared because you're bringing in existing bad relationships that have a lot of history, have had a lot of time to kind of build up to, you know, this point in the, the cycle potentially of abuse if that is existing in the relationship. And they're putting it in a massive pressure cooker. They're introducing uh, elements of like jealousy and. Yeah. Pressure. All of the stressors you could imagine. Yeah, and then they're just like, all right, you guys, wasn't this a fun season? Like, who's dating now? Ultimatums, like, they're good, actually. <laughs> yeah, doesn't everyone feel great that you came on this show? So glad. So Everyone's good. happy. What a good experience for all of you. Like, <sighs> what the fuck did we just yeah. watch? It's just so... It's so depressing and it was so mishandled. And like, yeah, I do think there's a strong case to be made for the fact that this show is just should not be made in the first place. And it's like, but if they are going to make a really ill-advised fucked up show, then at bare minimum, you need to have like safety precautions in place. You need to have staff who is equipped at all. A couples therapist, a mediator. Yes, bodyguards who can like break things up like even on a show like there are lots of like trashy shows about couples that you know are going through really intense experiences like this together and there's at least a fig leaf of like here's our relationship expert that they're talking to here's the counselor they're talking to and here they have an actress from like what like magnolia lane or something on Netflix, who's married to a, a baseball player. I'm sorry. Like, this is ludicrously insufficient. Yes. And, yeah, I think we have to move on only because we have to wrap up or we will yeah. be here all day. Um, let's talk about Sam and Aussie before we finish. Sam and Aussie get the honor of having their relationship update after that all went down. <laughs> and... Joanna asked Sam whether she got anything other than a rock for an engagement ring as if we like didn't see her get an actual ring in the same scene where she got the joke I don't know if Joanna watched the show to be honest I'm just throwing that out there I don't think Joanna is paying attention (laughs) and yeah (laughs) Sam says that Aussie is still not comfortable with wedding planning is still like deer in the headlights when she brings up the idea of planning a wedding. Haha. <laughs> so they're doing great. And Aussie and Sam also say that they've worked on their communication issues, like meeting in the middle, giving Aussie space to to have their reaction, but also not too much space where it's too hard for Sam. 
Yeah. And I was like, okay. It's I actually, actually thought that was nice. I think it's good if it's true that Aussie is working on Aussie's end of it because it did seem like Sam was actually really good at giving Aussie lots of space already. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So. I was like, I hope that the Aussie piece of this yeah. is yeah. happening. They did seem, they do seem so comfortable with each other. And so I always take that as like a good sign, hopefully. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, you know, I thought this was such an interesting display of like, you know, there really are people who, if you ask, if you tell them something about yourself, if you if you say something that's very kind of like dramatic or intimate or or if you you talk to them about something difficult and you say, what are you thinking right now? When they say, I don't know, that's true. <laughs> they don't know. They need yeah. a lot of time. There are people who are like more like analyzing in in their approach to life and they need a lot of time to process information. And for somebody like me, who's not like that, that can be really frustrating. That can be like, what do you mean? I can't fathom that you wouldn't have an immediate thought in your head or opinion or thing to say. Right. Yeah. The three of us are not that. Right. One hundred percent. And and I think that it it has taken me uh, a number of, of years and, and to understand that is it is there truly are people, many people out there who don't know how they feel at any given point in time and need that amount of time. And what you saw with Mildred being so upset with Aussie was that playing out, right? It was that like, you need time? I want to fight now. Like, how dare, like, and, and listen, Aussie did come across as somewhat frustrating like somewhat. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Somewhat. Yes. Like there's, you know, there's, yes. there's some things there. There's some growth there that could happen. There's some work there that needs to be done. Absolutely. 100%. And also it, that part was interesting to me and did actually make Aussie a little endearing to me it, it, in just seeing that like frustration, because I believe that Aussie is frustrated with Aussie too <laughs> in these moments. Yes. Right? Aussie also wants to be able to, to have that conversation and Aussie freezes. Aussie has a lot of trouble with this. Um, and it just, it was nice. And again, I agree with you. If it's true that Aussie is trying to accelerate their processing time, that's that's awesome. Because that's exactly what you want with somebody like that, right? You want, yeah. you want to, it's the, the you know, the, that, that phrase like treat people the way you want to be treated is a total lie. Don't do that. Treat people <laughs> the way they want to be treated. <laughs> like yeah. the golden rule yes. is bad. Don't do it. Like, figure out how people want to be communicated with and then do that thing. And hopefully they do that for you, too. And that's right. what you're seeing, right? When Sam is saying that Aussie is accelerating that processing time, that's exactly what you want, right? Because Aussie is trying to meet Sam and do that communication that, that yeah. Sam you wants. In, yeah. in a healthy partnership for both partners to be trying to move yeah. towards right. each other and move, the, right. like, change their behaviors in healthy incremental ways yeah. so that they can communicate well with the person that they are making a choice to yeah. be with. Those and, soy yeah. couples so are still so true. interesting to yeah. me because I feel like Mildred and Aussie, Aussie's issues in communication were actually individually obscured by each other oh, yeah. because they mm. both seem so frustrating that it's hard to tell. Yeah, like what's to, going on? What's going yeah. on? And then on the other hand, Tiff and Sam's relationship was very illuminating of 
their their dynamics because you see how they're able to work through things and where they found stumbling blocks with their partners. And with Aussie, I was constantly like, is Aussie the most infuriatingly avoidant person ever? Or is Mildred the most infuriatingly confrontational person ever? And I also the- just didn't understand why Aussie had to be expected to stay with Mildred for those three weeks when Mildred is being openly hostile. Like, I just yeah. like there's something about the premise of this show. It's like we're doing a trial marriage. You have to stay in your trial marriage. You got to give it a real shot for us, baby. And it's like <laughs> maybe I don't want to live with a person who's this hostile with me all of the time. And how is that helping me in our relationship? Like, I don't quite understand yeah there's definitely a read on it that's like oh at a certain point if we aren't serving each other it is a healthy and positive move yeah to leave and in a way i had no business being anywhere near each other it was not making things better the the thing that was actually revealing of aussie to me is the way that aussie acted towards sam who is like the most patient and sweet person ever and so when you see aussie being defensive and avoidant with sam i'm like okay so aussie has a problem it's not just mildred Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done there, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But it does seem like, you know, they, this couple is doing well. Um, Sam and Aussie have been doing, like, little Instagram videos. I will say, very little red flag at the reunion. Aussie still, at that point, had not told their parents, Aussie's parents, about Sam. Well, yes. So, I I see that, and I think it was actually the way that that question was framed and the way that a whole exchange was framed was designed to make you feel like that's a red flag. But remember Mm -hmm. that Aussie's family is not at all understanding of Aussie's identity. Anything about Aussie. Like, not telling... I think what got me about it is that there was this sense that Aussie saw that as part of moving forward with Sam. Like, if they were just like... If Aussie was like, my family isn't in my life, they're not accepting, that's not a part of forming a new family for me, I think I would have felt differently. But instead, it was like, this is something that I definitely have to do. And I'm going to do it later, 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 later. That kind of got me. But yeah. I do see what you're saying. Like, it well, wasn't framed in an understanding off way. is so much Hard. more complicated. Like, and like, you know, lots of queer people have to do that. Like, cut family off. Um, I think that using the show as a vessel for that information to come out so you don't have to do it. Great job, Aussie. Yes. <laughs> Yes, whatever works. One hundred percent. Honestly, the tools th- that, that was have. my that <laughs> was my read on it too. That Aussie was just like, well, this is going to be out in the world, and like, my family is going to deal with that information when it becomes public information. And I feel like if that's the way that Aussie that's the way feels, is that yeah. yeah, then mm-hmm. then more more power, whatever. But- if Sam isn't just like if it's not causing active issues in their relationship then I'm kind of like, you deal with your family right. however the fuck you want to. Right. In whatever ways you you need to. I also Something hope that-, that that's not being used as an excuse to not get married right away because my family doesn't right. know yet. And I'm like, cool, that's on you. You need to tell them then, right? Like, if, if that's, like, it it really mm-hmm. depends on how Sam and Aussie are dealing with the fact that that family doesn't know. But the way that the show presented it, it seemed like, look, Aussie's not doing the steps, not doing the things. I'm like, wow, a queer, queer host would have, dealt with that very differently mm. uh, and would have understood what what was at stake here. And it's like, cool. Like, there's just like a way to talk about these things that this show dropped the ball on every single time at every turn. And I'm not at all surprised. A lot of people will probably take away like Aussie's being avoidant again. Oh, Sam's being taken for a ride. And it's like, 
cool. Have you ever had family members who didn't accept you for who you are in any way, shape or form? Maybe you weren't super excited to tell them more information about yourself. Yeah, yeah I think that's a really that's a really good point. And it is just another thing where it's like we didn't have a host who was asking follow up questions. So I didn't even feel like I got enough of a read no. on where Sam yeah. and Ozzy were at. Like I have been taking more cues just from lo- I was like looking through social media and seeing, right. you know, what they're posting together and that they like seem happy. But it's it's just, yeah, we, d- we didn't have someone capable to illuminate, to like give a, do a good interview with with the yeah. two of them. I think I've always been a little skeptical of their dynamic because Sam seems like such a doormat that I'm like, I need more to like really read. And you end up like clinging on to these little like crumbs of just like, here's what's going on in their relationship that that actually might not be that useful at all. And they didn't dig it that much into their relationship in this reunion. Yeah, I can't tell at all if their dynamic has improved. Um, Sam seems to suggest that it has. And I guess we have to take her word for it. Right. Um, She's the expert. Right. And is like, has it improved enough? Unclear. Seems like it's like extreme baby steps. But what I will say is that I do think that the show appears to have uh, kicked off something for Aussie that Aussie like had been years <laughs> in the making. Yeah. And, like Aussie really needed to address. And my hope is that there's like therapy going on now and that there's like more open. Like my hope for them is because I actually do believe that like if Aussie addresses some of these problems and Sam also should be in therapy. Like we shall. I am like I, we, I just think yep. that everybody can benefit from that. Um, well, and cosine, cosine, cosine. <laughs> right. Especially if your partner is going through what Aussie is going through. Um, uh, my hope is that they, they could make it if if that happens. Right. Because there's just like a lot that needs to happen uh, for their relationship to feel really fulfilling for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. The last little updates that we got from various like interviews they've done since is that they are starting to wedding plan, think about wedding planning. And Ozzy and Sam have said that the only cast members who will be invited are Tiff and Vanessa, which interesting. Well, they, uh, yeah, it's, it feels like there was like kind of different factions at different times that formed among the cast. And we don't really have much information. Per Instagram, it. it, it seems that like, Ozzy, Sam, Tiff, and Vanessa post-show have really yeah. connected and that Mildred and Yoli are close and that, like, Mal and Lexi right. are close. Yeah. And then Ray and Xander are sort of like, we support everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is very on brand for them. Yes. Conflict-averse. Uh, um, I think we got to leave it there uh, because we have we have been just like really deep in this ultimatum hole. And I think it's time to stop letting this Netflix show live in our heads, release, release it, release the toxins. Ariel, thank you that, so much for yeah. <laughs> joining us for this. Thank you, thank you so much for letting me yell about this show for a little bit. Uh, oh, no, we're, we're really yeah. grateful that you came on the show your perspective is is always so 
thoughtful and smart and I felt was very necessary for this conversation. So thanks for having me. As always, that. grateful to you and also just um happy to see your face again. Yeah. Please yeah. come yeah. please come back for a lighter episode sometime. Yeah, let's have more yes. fun. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This was this was a delight. And on that note, that is it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our guest, Arielle Duhame-Ross. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Talon Stradley. Our theme music is by Tamar Habib and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And of course, spread the word about Love to See It to all of your friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clareandemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and on Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at clareandemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week with our cast bios breakdown for Charity Lawson's season of The Bachelorette. Can you keep up? I like love Stitcher. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.